Hello, Phoenix LaFay. How are you doing? Peachy. No. I know. I always say peachy. I'm fine. How are you? Oh, my God. That was so very normal of you. Uh, yeah. <laughs> what was that exasperated <laughs> little moan? It, was, it, wasn't, it wasn't supposed to be an exasperated moan. It was supposed to be, I don't know what it was supposed to be. <laughs> so, what's up? Well, hey, um, today, tonight, our episode um, is actually at the request of one of our listeners. So somebody reached out to Phoenix LeFay and said, hey, I want to know more about this particular topic that you keep alluding to. <laughs> and the topic was magic. And we thought to ourselves, hmm, we could do a whole show basically on what is magic. But before we get to that, I thought I'd um, chat a little bit about my day because somebody else reached out to me and, and made a comment that um, uh, they didn't necessarily believe, necessarily believe that some of the authors and, and witches that they follow online like really do the witchy things that they were talking about. They were mm. saying, oh, it's, you know. I get that. I feel like that sometimes. Yeah, like, you know, sometimes somebody shows like that perfect um, mm-hmm. Instagram post of them, you know, and I thought, I was, I'm going to pull the, the veil back a little bit. Uh, so um, I do put on jeans and a t-shirt yeah i do make cups of tea sometimes you put on jeans and a t-shirt sometimes you put on a really nice button-down business shirt and sweats <laughs> yeah and i have to do some kind of a call that i don't want my bottom half show um and um you know i take out the garbage and and take showers and like do all the normal things, all the regular everyday things that most people do in their lives. Mm -hmm. Uh, So for sure. And I wanted to give you an example, dear listener, of some of the things that I did today. And this is not uncommon. So I got up this morning. I'll totally tell you if he's lying, by the way. Yeah, you can. Uh, I got up this morning and I went for a walk, which I often do on a Saturday morning early. Mm-hmm. Uh, By himself, because early means Phoenix is sleeping. Mm, it does. I couldn't <laughs> rouse her out of bed if I... No, I'd to. be pissed. Yeah. So I, I went for a little walk. And on the walk, as I often do, uh, I don't have earbuds in or anything. I just sort of paid attention to the environment. The, the, there was some hawks uh, calling at each other, some crows calling at each other. Um, just watching the world sort of wake up. And I find that to be a, a really relaxing and magical act. Mm-hmm. While I was wander along, wandering along, I was also thinking about what I was going to be writing today um, because I have uh, a, a new book that I'm writing. So I was right. sort of organizing what my thoughts might be for that. Then got home, started doing some bits and pieces about the house and... Um, then we had a uh, uh, part of the afternoon was spent with Phoenix and uh, a friend of ours at a good social distance, making magical herb packets and bath mixes and all kinds of other stuff mm. for uh, our metaphysical shop. So very magical activities mixed in with clearing out an old filing cabinet and going and organizing stuff. And I built a chair, like an office chair. Let's be fair, though. You weren't doing anything to clear out those file cabinets. That's not completely untrue. 
I didn't say I was doing it. I said we were doing it. Oh, okay, it. yeah. That it was happening. It, and, it was happening. Yeah, and I did go and get the file cabinets. No, that's true. You went and got the file cabinets, <laughs> right. and you helped me put them in the space where they're going to live, and then I proceeded to go through yeah. 15 I, years of documents. <laughs> right. I didn't say that I was doing this, and you were uh, swanning about eating bonbons. No, I, well, no, you didn't say that, but you did say... This is what I did today. No, I, I'm going to encourage you to rewind and listen to this. Rewind. What is this? 1972. But I'm going to encourage you to go back and listen to what I said. Okay, go, go on. <laughs> anyway, my point being, ma'am, uh, was that most of my day today has been spent with a really lovely mix of magical moments, like doing the work of magic. Um, uh, uh Again, creating some uh, um, some thoughts, writing, you know, I wrote 500 or so words today uh, in a book that will be, uh, you know, a magical book that will be published in, in the next uh, year or so. Mm-hmm. Um, I uh, just cooked a really lovely meal mm-hmm. out of my book, The Magic of Food, and we had uh, a brief but lovely conversation about wisdom. And some hard-earned wisdoms that we've won. So, again, I cooked a meal that was sacred to me out of the cookbook that I wrote or the magical book that I wrote after spending the day between us doing a variety of magical activities. Mm-hmm. And and so just to answer that person's question of do you really do all those things? Yeah, I really do. I live a magical life. And I want to quote something that a dear friend of mine, uh, Misha Magdalene, who's also an author, said and i think they got it from somebody else but i don't remember who and they said um make your life magic don't make magic your life Mm -hmm. and i really love that um today has felt like a really good balance and of course here we are now uh doing our show Mm -hmm. yeah it's funny that you say that because there's been you know i'm like half aware of the online witch world, you know, I pay enough attention and I'm on Twitter, so I totally get to see all the drama, but there has been this, um, almost online fight about daily practice. And there's this camp of people who are saying you need to have a daily practice. You should have a daily practice. Mm -hmm. You know, no one, at least the comments I've seen have not said you must, or you're not a witch or whatever, but there's been some strong sentiment that if you're not practicing, then you're not actually, mm. you know, which I think is a, a valid argument. Mm. But there are all of these other people who are saying, don't tell me how to do my thing. And a daily practice isn't sustainable for people. And you're talking about people of all these, you know, different levels of um, health and wellness and body stuff. And you're talking about people who have, quote unquote, mundane jobs and you know so shaming people for not having a daily practice isn't good isn't helping and i i'm not a fan of the second argument i am a fan of the first argument and it plays into what you're talking about you know you don't have to sit in silent meditation for an hour and then chant chant mantras or whatever you don't have to go and sit at your altar and burn incense and stay there in prayer the whole time the incense is burning you can make small things magic you can make small things part of your daily practice and you can incorporate all of that into 
the routines like brushing your teeth and taking a shower and making food, the things you have to do anyway. Yeah. You can incorporate magic into that. So yeah. so it's funny that you say that because I was kind of chuckling this morning when I was scrolling through Twitter about this like argument. I, I, you know, I'm, uh, I'm somebody that I, I very rarely dabble in absolutes. Right. So I rarely say I'm not a should. fan usually either. Right. I, I very rarely say should or always or never. Right. Um, I think daily practice is a really useful tool. It has been very good for me mm-hmm. in my magical practice. And there have been times when I haven't done a daily practice for months or even years. Right. You know, I think it's, is that the tool that best serves you and your magic right now? And I do agree that if you're somebody that's, you know, finding your way in witchcraft and you do want to make it um, part of your everyday life, then you have to, you know, make it part of your everyday life. But um, again, that that doesn't, if you're somebody that says, nope, I only do witchcraft on the Sabbaths. If you're someone that follows the traditional wheel of the year, that's great. You're not more or less of a witch if you only do things. Sure. On a particular, sure. you know, if you can say every third Sunday is when I do a Zoom call with the coven, yeah. and that's when I get the witch on, great. Yeah. I mean, Brilliant. I suppose if you look at other religions, you know, a Christian is a Christian every day, even though they only go to church on Sunday. Well, and I would also make the, pre- the, the point that one doesn't need to be religious to be a witch. That is true, but that's a whole other argument <laughs> right. that we could have. Uh, that is true. There are different roads to witchcraft. Right. For you, witchcraft is part of, it's the practice of your religion or right. part of it. That's right. not true for every witch. No, that right. is true. And doesn't need to. And some people are otherly religious and yeah. still practice witchcraft. Yeah, yeah. Dear, dear departed friend of ours now was a Christian minister and also polyamorous and also a witch. Mm-hmm. And everybody at the church knew all those things. Right. Which was pretty amazing. Yeah. None of which is what we actually plan to no, talk about. No, but it is a good jumping off point. Yeah. It is because it does, like, we're talking about daily practice and magic and religion. And so all of these things do sort of yeah, fit into the yeah. topic at hand. And so the the listener that asked us, that reached out to us and said, um, you often talk about this thing, this word, as if everybody listening knows what it means. And I want to learn more about what you think it means. Mm-hmm. So that word is magic. What is magic? magic? <laughs> what is magic? Um, how, what do we mean? And I'll tell you what this person said, just for some context. They said, when I hear the two of you talk about magic, I hear the word prayer. That's what they said. Mm-hmm. Um, which I think is is quite lovely if that's what they they hear and what they take out of it. But I am curious, all Phoenix Lafayne, all, all, yeah. There's no D on the end of that. Uh-huh. That's a, a term of endearment. Uh huh. Not you know. I didn't say Phoenix, you old hag. Which <laughs> I'll say later in life because I think you'd really appreciate that. But you have said you that might you want to be... stop while you're ahead. <laughs> You old cranky woman, which is what Phoenix says she wants to be. I already to be am. Clear. I know. Uh, but you're not cranky. So go on, what? <laughs> so, old Phoenix LaFay, uh-huh. uh what's your definition of magic? Well, my definition of magic is stolen from someone else's definition of magic. It's not stolen. The art of changing consciousness at will. And it's now that I've said it, I don't remember who said it. 
Was it Alistair Crowley? Uh, Crowley? Doreen Doreen Valiente. She made it most famous. Crowley has said. Well, so I just did a whole podcast uh, about Doreen Valiente. So it's funny that I can't remember if this was her or not, but I'm going to look it up right now. Con S C I O U S consciousness. (laughs) Well, this is scintillating. (laughs) Hey, everybody. Dion Fortune, not um, not Doreen Valiente. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so that's kind of the, that's the definition that I've held for my decades of practice. Yeah, and I think I've mentioned this before, but that definition, changing consciousness or the art of changing consciousness at will, there there are variations on that phrase. Yeah, um, I also think John D said something like that back. Well, in yeah, the it's not. It's a phrase century. that's been co-opted over and over again and changed and adjusted it's a it's an esoteric concept that goes back hundreds of years yeah Yeah. you know because magic what we call magic now would have been considered uh, alchemy or science well let's not get too far ahead of ourselves okay so go back to that phrase all right the the art of changing consciousness at will Mm -hmm. that's one way or the primary way perhaps that you define magic that's the sentence I describe magic with, but it's like if when I think about it, it's a much more complicated and wide thing than that sentence. But that sentence, it feels like, sums it up good enough. Yeah. Okay. So, what does that what does that mean to you? The art of changing consciousness at will. I know what it means for me. Well, there's a couple of layers to it. I think you know, it's the it's the part of it is the knowing thyself concept, and part of it. What does that mean? I'll come back to that. And part of it is the manipulation of world circumstances concept. So it's like two pieces. And in my opinion, you have to work these two pieces in order for them both to be effective and good and bring you progress, right? This is why witchcraft is my religion, my spirituality, and not just a craft that I do. The art of changing consciousness at will from a internal perspective is... The art of learning how to use your own willpower, your own conscious awareness, your own shadow, unseen shadows, hidden shadows, your own bright shadows. It's the art of learning you and being able to tap into those pieces of you when you need to. So if you know that you are sensitive to like you're watching television, your friend wants to watch a movie, you know that certain types of violence you can't watch. Instead of just going along to get along and watching that movie, you tap in and go, oh, I know that this is actually not going to be good for me and I'm not going to enjoy myself. And so I'm going to speak up about it. I'm going to use my will and to, because I'm aware of my consciousness to change this situation, right? So that's the internal shit. The external stuff is doing the spell work. It's the craft of it. It's knowing how to manipulate the forces and the elements. And I'm using the word manipulate even though that word usually has like a negative connotation but it's not a negative word and it you know it sometimes it annoys me that people always think it's a negative word um but it's knowing how to tap into some of those unseen forces and get them to do what you want (laughs) (laughs) to help you achieve your goals or manifest a thing or whatever bring healing bring money bring love whatever more quickly and easily than mm-hmm. if you didn't know how to manipulate those forces. 
So it's a two-pronged thing for me. Yeah. I think you can't have one without the other. And honestly, I think the internal stuff is more important because it makes the external stuff faster and easier. When you have a better, when you know thyself, right? Above the doors of Delphi, the, the temple where the oracles would give their fortune telling. That's not the right word, but I can't, I was going to say oracle again. Prophecy. Thank you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it said know thyself. And I feel like that is what all spiritual, what all humans should be doing, but a def, definitely spiritual people need to be working on understanding themselves better. Yeah. So I think it's a three-pronged thing. Mm. I know. And I have a slightly different, I mean, it's very, I like very similar. three-pronged things. So that's like a nice mm-hmm. thing. I always like, you know, three ways of accessing information. So yeah. Yeah, I'm yeah. curious about your third prong. That might be the first time Phoenix has ever said she's curious about something I think about witchcraft. <laughs> um, so, um, yeah, so the very first part of that sentence, is, for me, it sort of breaks down into three parts. And mm. The first thing it says, the art. Yeah. So the art, for me, um, is, this, the, is the art of witchcraft. So it's all the things that we do um, in the practice of witchcraft. So it could be, and this is a, a relatively unlimited list here, but it could be the use of magical spells, charms, incantations, talismans, potions. Tools. Right. It could also be the use of magical tools. Athames, I think ritual is a tool. We often mm-hmm. think of it as an event, but it's a it's a tool. It's a vehicle. Yeah. Um, um the reading of signs, the use of tarot or, or uh, other divination methods that might be um, available to you, passed down through a lineage, part of your family or heritage or, you know, whatever it might be, your culture. Mm-hmm. So I think the art of is, is the first part. Yeah. So for I, me, I, I feel that. Yeah. So it's the skills that we bring um, as practitioners of uh, the witchcraft, mm-hmm. right? The, the, and the witchcraft for me, there's a term called pra- praxis, yeah, which means basically the doing of, right? So not the believing in, but the doing of. So I really like this idea that the, the art is everything that we actually do to create witchcraft, mm-hmm. the, the stuff of it. And then the next part is the art of changing consciousness. So I think about that <clears throat> in a very real sense. You know, we, we can look at this in sort of the fantastic uh, fantasy novel realm of I change consciousness. I, you know, turn myself into a cat. I shapeshift into a werewolf, you know, whatever it is, right? Whatever, mm-hmm. whatever you imagine that might be. Um, but I do think there is this idea of... Um, not so much changing consciousness, but exchanging consciousness. And what I mean by that is through certain practices, esoteric practices, you could, for instance, bring the thoughts, um, actions, uh, the mantle, uh, the, the clothing, if you will, of a, of a god, for instance, 
into your body. There's, um, you know, a variety of traditions have different names for that kind of work. Mm -hmm. Some traditions call it being ridden, some call it aspecting, some call it being possessed. There's lots of different mm -hmm. names depending on the tradition. Drawing down the moon. Yeah, drawing down the moon, exactly. Invoking. Yeah, so this idea of, of exchanging or changing consciousness could be this notion of sort of wearing the the clothes of another being. Mm -hmm. But I also think on a very practical level, um, and this really goes back to, you know, my many, many years of, of Buddhist teaching, is if I could exchange places with you, if I could walk a mile in your shoes, as the old expression goes, um, if I could imagine what it was to be a tree standing in a place for 500 years and all of the changes that that tree might experience. If I could stand by that tree and imagine what that tree has seen, uh, open my eyes to view the world from the great height, as if a tree had, you know, the the sentient ability to say to me, "Hey, Guion, let me tell you a story from 500 years ago. This place looked a lot different." I think there is this way. If if I can recognize the beingness and I'm I careful I'm careful not to say humanity because I don't want to anthropomorphize more than I already have been but mm. this idea of if I could look at a tree or a river or an animal uh, of some sort um, or another human being and say what would it like to be in their place what's my impact on them I'm exchanging or changing my consciousness to view the world from a perspective other than my own and sometimes other than my own humanness. Mm -hmm. And I think when I do that, what happens is I begin to form a relationship. I can become in alignment. So you mean like um, experiencing like sympathy or empathy? Yeah, yeah, exactly. For <clears> something <throat> beyond human. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. So uh, the art of, of witchcraft, so the art of changing my perception, using the tools of the witch to change my perception about the nature of reality mm -hmm. and doing that consciously, doing that at will, at any moment being able to say, how can I look at this situation differently than I do or to take me out of the central role there, how can I receive information that's coming to me from all these other beings? And that doesn't necessarily need to be metaphysical, although that can be it too, mm -hmm. but from the grass, from the air, from the river, from the stream, from the cars going down the street and the birds flying overhead, whatever it is, right? What information is there available to me to have access to that I wouldn't have if I'm just bumbling down the street with my earbuds in rocking out to whatever I'm listening to and completely unaware of what's around me. Mm -hmm. So I really think that phrase does sum up uh, in one, you know, very short phrase, kind of the entirety of the magical arts. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's why I love that phrase so much, the art of changing consciousness at will. For me, that is um, not the only, but one of the most succinct definitions of magic. Right. So... That's my version of what you said. Well, okay, so I, what's the three pathways then? Because I only saw two. No, it's three. One, the yeah. art. Uh huh. So that's the all the magical stuff. Um, changing consciousness. Mm -hmm. 
the, the exchange, and then at will. That's the third bit. Mm. The will is the mastery. Right. Right. So it's the having all of the tools at your disposal, being able to draw on them and um, uh, be in relationship with your environment, whatever mm -hmm. that means, and then being able to act from a place of will. Mm -hmm. And that is where I think what you were saying, that um, that manipulation, that coming into alignment, um, one of the differences kind of between Eastern and Western philosophies, and mm -hmm. those are very broad terms, yeah. um, and, and maybe not the best of terms, but one of the differences in what was generally considered sort of the, the Western thought process was that it was sort of man against the world, right? right. The, the notion that humankind is the dominant species right. and the rest of the planet needs to bow to our wishes. Yes, problematic. Right. Um, and again, very broadly, um, Eastern philosophies tend to be more about being in alignment with. Right. So um, uh, in harmony with, being in accord with. And so that's the thing, <clears throat> that's that thing about alignment, or you use the word manipulation, which I think is a good word. Um, it's if, if I'm in alignment with my craft, if mm -hmm. I'm in alignment with my um, environment, whatever that means, mm -hmm. right, um, uh, and, and the beings around me, and I have the ability to, um, at my own choice, interact with the world, in accordance with what's in front of me, then what I find is that instead of being like a salmon trying to swim upstream or trying to mm -hmm. piss in the wind, mm -hmm. um, I find that I get to go along with the flow a lot more right. easily. Right. And therefore, I can sort of guide my way down this river of life right? Um, rather than fighting it. So for yeah, me, well, you, you know, the word alignment is interesting because there are a lot of spiritual traditions that do some sort of alignment mm -hmm. work mm -hmm. you know the 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 cauldrons of posy the chakra systems the breath work the three souls the triple souls um all of these different systems are about connecting into the energy centers in your body and you can look at virtually any freaking culture on the planet and there is some sort of energy systems yeah. in the body but connecting to those energy systems and those energy centers and seeing where they may need zhuzhing, cleansing, clearing, or aligning, you know. And uh, a lot of magical traditions, especially, you know, like British magical traditions, American magical traditions, witchcraft, modern witchcraft systems, there is some set of alignment exercises that are done before ritual or before magic or before spell work in order to bring you more into that place of internal harmony at least yeah yeah, yeah. and you know this idea of correspondences and it, you know because what from say more about correspondences for folks that might not know well when i think of magic i think of spell work like that's not necessarily the only thing but that's where i go uh and when you do spell work Ideally, you are looking at correspondences. So, and there's lots of books about correspondences. You could get lost in uh, digging a hole of correspondences for the rest of your life. But basically, everything on the planet vibrates. Like, that's not a metaphysical concept, it's a scientific con concept. It has a resonance. Right. right. Everything has a, a buzz, a vibration, 
everything vibrates. And so the more, if you have a goal, if you want to do spell work to achieve a certain thing or bring a certain thing into your life, the more things that you can incorporate into a working or a spell, the more correspondences you have in alignment with that, the smoother the road may be. The faster you might make it down the road, the faster your goal might arrive at your door. So correspondences and magic and this idea kind of all go hand in hand, at least for me. Like once I start thinking about magic or spell work and correspondences, it's like that's the that's the road I traveled to do magic, you yeah. know? So, you know, you... Um, Correspondences require time and research, you know, knowing the best metaphysical day of the week, knowing the best time, knowing the best herbs and colors and um, planetary associations and sigils. Like, like I said, you could get lost forever in correspondences and never actually do the yeah. spell. To put that in, in food terms, because, mm. you know, that's the way I think. If I want to make an apple pie and I've got chicken it's going to be really difficult to make an apple pie if chicken is my main ingredient right right so if i want to if my spell were to make an apple pie having chicken on ice mm -hmm. is not going to get me there having apples and cinnamon and something to cook those down into and pastry to encase them in. Mm -hmm. Those are all the correspondences. Right. If, my, if my outcome is an apple pie, I should probably have the ingredients that are most likely yeah. to make a good apple well, pie. Well, and it's not that you can't. I mean, this is where the food analogy doesn't quite work, but uh, it's you don't have to have all the right things. You know, the thing with witchcraft is about using what you've got. So sometimes all you've got is chicken and you just have to make it effing work, you know? So Yeah, but you're not going to make an apple pie. No, but you might still achieve your result. You can result. still be fed. Right. If the result is to be fed, right. use what you've got. Right. But if you want a specific thing to come about, you do have to use the right correspondences. And, and again... Yes, but with magic... <laughs> it's not that linear. So you might, your goal, like that's why I'm saying this food analogy is not perfect, but if you want an apple pie and you are lucky enough and in, on the right track enough and you have enough of the stuff going, even with chicken, you could end up with apple pie. Like that's what magic does. I'll tell you how that could happen because <laughs> someone shows up at the house and brings an, you right, an apple you pie. You say, I'll make yeah. chicken, you bring dessert. Yeah, absolutely. Right. So absolutely. Not... You still manifested it. You just didn't bake it. Right, right, right. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that's a, that's valid. That is valid. I, I appreciate that little add on there. <laughs> um, but my experience has been the more correspondences that you're able to put in to connect in, into your spell work that are in alignment with your goal, the smoother and the faster it works. Yeah, that's that thing about alignment, right? Yeah, so exactly. If you're in accord, if you've got all the things that are going to make it most likely to come about, yeah. Um, if you've got the right conditions, the result is much more likely to happen. Yeah, right. Is that you know one of the things um, people often or ask happen you, more quickly. Yeah, yeah. One of the things I know people often ask you is, you know, to do love work for them. Mm -hmm. And one of the first questions is, you know, they say, I want this person to fall in love with me. And one of the first questions you always ask is, do you know them? Mm -hmm. And do they know you? Right. Right. Because sometimes somebody's like, I want to fall in love with Jay-Z. And it's like, well, that's great. Yeah. But have you met him? No. 
Do you have any contact with him? No. Yeah. Are you likely to bump into him? No. This is going to be a tougher spell than you might think. Right. Right. That's <laughs> right. When I teach classes about spellcraft, I always use Brad Pitt as my example. Like, yeah, you can definitely do a love spell to make Brad Pitt fall in love with you. But if you have no way of ever meeting or engaging with Brad Pitt, the chances are really freaking low. Right. You know, so there's this concept, you know, and again, magic isn't necessarily spell work. And right. yet they are really tied together in a lot of ways. Um, but when doing magic, when doing spell work, you have to be specific and leave room for mystery. So, you know, I want to bring a new love into my life. Here is all the qualities of what that person has. It might be a lot like what Brad Pitt is. He might look like Brad Pitt, have a similar job situation as Brad Pitt. There might be a lot of Brad Pittiness, but it ain't going to be Brad Pitt. <laughs> You know, and even I, with I want doing that on a T-shirt, there <laughs> might be a lot of Brad Pitt. You know, so. <laughs> <laughs> and even with, you know, all of the all of the fine tuning and the, uh, I forgot where I was going with that. You got me distracted by the T-shirt. <laughs> what was I going to say? Or you were saying that uh, you you could uh, have somebody could have all the qualities of Brad Pitt, but you might not actually end up with Brad Pitt. Right, I think is where you were going. So, you know, so it's a be specific with what you want, but leave room for mystery to bring it in a way that you might not be expecting. Yeah, um, you know that's important with any magical work. I love the way you say it. Sometimes you you'll say this reversed. You'll say you need to be vaguely specific or specifically vague. I like that. Yeah. You know, it's this idea of you want to build enough bones on it that the gods, the universe, the magic, the alignment, whatever it is yourself mm -hmm. can say, oh, yeah, look, here's this thing I wanted. And what do you know? There's the living manifestation of it. Right. Right. Um, but not be like, oh, look, there's this person that has all of the qualities that I so admire in a human being. And I want to be with that kind of person. Oh, but it's not Brad Pitt. So. <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah. 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 I have a lot of those same qualities. <laughs> As Brad Pitt. Yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah, yeah. Um, I smell badly mm. sometimes. <laughs> I've heard that Brad Pitt is quite odiferous. Uh, uh -huh. And uh, I'm uh, devilishly handsome. Mm, well, mm -hmm. I'm a devil. Well, I'm not actually a devil, but, you know. So back to magic. <laughs> so the interesting thing at the I'm beginning. I'm not remotely like Brad Pitt. Maybe the smelly bit. Are you guys the same age? Just about. Yeah. So there you go. Just like Brad Pitt. Just like Brad Pitt. <laughs> so the person who brought this question up mentioned prayer. And this is another hot button topic within the witchcraft and pagan communities because uh, a lot of people come to witchcraft or paganism from a Christian background. That is not necessarily true. That is not true at all for me. I do. I don't have that background. But when I was younger, especially as a teenager, I was really wanting to rebel against anything mainstream. Mm -hmm. And whether you're Christian or not, Christianity is mainstream in America. There is, there is a lot of assumption, and we are all influenced by Christianity, whether we like it or not. That's just how it is. That's, how, that's the culture of where we live in the sure. United States. Um, so as a, as a teenager, especially, I really wanted to rebel against anything that everyone else was doing or, or was an assumption of the mainstream. So prayer was a bad word. Like prayer is what Christians do, and I don't want anything to do with that nonsense. But now, you know, 30 years later or whatever, I'm like, nah, it's kind of cool. 
Like prayer is not a bad word. And I get it. If you have baggage from, from a, a religious background, if you, there's all kinds of stuff that we could unpack on that subject, but, but prayer is magic. It is, um, connecting into spell work. It is something, if you're a polytheist that you can do with the, the entities, the deities, the gods that you work with. A prayer is a form of magic. So let me ask you a question. And it's been scientifically proven to work. Well. P.S. Uh, no, it has. Okay, mm. go on. Ask me the question. We're not going <laughs> to debate it. Um, so within magical circles, what are the kinds of words? Because I can think of a few. What are the kinds of words that we might say as witches um, that speak to what the word prayer often means in a in a uh, Christian context, I'm not sure I understand the question. Well, I think again. You know, when I hear prayer, I do bristle. But when I think about devotion, well, so when I think of prayer, I think of two things. I think of like a rosary, or a little kid kneeling with their hands in the prayer position, mm. saying whatever it is that they're supposed to say at night before they go to bed. Like, mm-hmm. if I croak tonight, please take me, sweet Jesus, or something like that. Isn't that how it goes? <laughs> yeah, that's exactly it. <laughs> Sorry. My apologies. Um, so, you know, chanting, using a prayer beads, whether they're rosaries or malas or some other form of non-denominational prayer beads, that's a way to pray, to have a, a mantra or a, a chant that you've written um, for getting a job, finding a new love, uh, having more self-confidence, whatever. I am confident and strong. I believe in myself. I am a loving person. I am worthy of love, whatever. Having these mantras and repeating it as you move through the prayer beads, just like you would with a mala or a rosary, that's prayer. So I think there's an interesting thing, because I think many people, Mm -hmm. when they hear the word prayer, what they hear is um, a conversation. Dear God, make me a bird so I can fly far, far away from here. Like that? Yeah, exactly like that. (laughs) Wow. Uh, So I think when most people, many people hear the word prayer, they think about a conversation with a God. And and for the majority of people, they think about that as a conversation with God, meaning the, you know, the the Abrahamic God, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Or, you know, just God, whatever that is. Uh, And I think that's the bit that gets people bristling what you just described this idea of saying um a phrase over and over again you know i am beautiful affirmations you know whatever Mm -hmm. it is um you use that word as prayer but the personage to whom you are addressing is yourself right or your um i don't know that i i because this is a form of prayer that i do i'm not addressing anyone if you're saying I am beautiful or I am confident, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't. Who are, you, who are you talking to? I don't feel like I'm saying it to myself. I who feel like I'm. I don't know. I'm saying it to the universe. I'm saying it to the deities that I work with. I don't know. I'm just saying it uh, as a way to receive it. So I, I mean, I guess in a way, I am saying it to myself, but it doesn't feel like I'm not standing in front of the mirror. You know, I'm not. It doesn't feel like I am immediately reflecting those words back to myself. It feels like I'm speaking them out, not in. You're speaking them out, 
but for the purpose of you hearing them, like in an affirmation. I right? suppose so. I, I'm loved. I'm worthy of love. Yeah. You know, who are you saying that to? If if the first two words of that is I am. Yeah, I don't know. You I mean, are the, the universe, I am. but I, you know, but the, then we're getting down a road of esoteric conversation where I think that we are all emanations of the universe. So then it's like whatever you, whether you're talking to Dionysus or Jesus or the universe or the star goddess. Those are all pieces of us. And so no matter what prayer you're doing, no matter what religion you are practicing, you are speaking to yourself in a way. So you're talking to yourself. Yeah, but it's not conscious. I'm not consciously speaking to myself. I'm speaking out to something else. That's so odd because I have this, you know, in the the poems of Taliesin, Mm -hmm. many of those poems or the poems that are attributed to Taliesin or are in that style. Taliesin is also known as Merlin. The, yeah. the wizard of King Arthur yeah. to just bring it for those who are like, what the heck's Taliesin? Yeah, yeah, he's the 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 a Welsh bard. Yes, um, part of the druid caste. Yeah, part of the Ceredwyn and Gwionbach story um, uh, from Welsh mythology. Yeah, uh, but um, uh a lot of the po- the Taliesianic poems often start with I am mm-hmm. or I have been. Right. Right. And so it's interesting. Like I've a, I know when, so, which is why I was talking about prayer as devotion. Yeah. If I'm doing a prayer in devotion to say Dionysus, who I like to work with, um, devotion, I would never use the word. I wouldn't say I'm praying to Dionysus. I might say I'm doing devotional acts, like I'm giving mm-hmm. these offerings to Dionysus or for Dionysus. Well, and when I yeah. give a devotion, I don't expect anything back. Well, I think that's the thing, right? In prayer, the assumption is you're asking for something. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. dear God, make me a bird. Dear God, heal mama. Dear right. God, blah, blah, blah. Uh, that's That's sort of the whitewash painted assumption of what prayer is but it's not really it's much more deep there you know speaking i don't know what is it the lord's prayer that's what it is right at night speaking that is is reading the fucking charge of the goddess it's speaking poetry of your god every night before going to bed that's prayer and it's devotional and it's beautiful it's not my cup of tea but it works for people you know who are into it but i think there are, as polytheists, you know, not all witches are are polytheists, not all pagans are polytheists, but polytheism's a thing. Polytheism, for those that don't know, means the belief in <laughs> many, many gods. separate gods. Yes, and yeah. we are both polytheists. So, you know, I don't, when I find myself in a pickle, or if I'm afraid, or if I'm scared or fear or whatever, I'm having anxiety or emotions that feel, you know, quote unquote negative. There is a, a piece of me that wants to step into prayer because there is something about, and like I said, I have no Christian background. So this isn't like training from my youth or something, but there is something about speaking it out loud to a higher source or a higher power that can take some of the pressure off of me. Yeah. So yes, I have devotional relationships with different gods. I might I burn candles to Dionysus and give him offerings and sing his praises and spend time in, in uh, communion with him. But if the shit hits the fan and I know that that's an energy he could handle, I might go, 
Dionysus, I need your help. I need your support. I need to feel your protection right now. Which is interesting because, again, another word that we might use in paganism or witchcraft, which is not prayer, is petitioning the gods, which yeah. goes back thousands, millennia, yeah. Oh, yeah. far, far beyond the, the Christian religion. Right? Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Way back there. Yeah. BCs. Yes, the very many BCs. Very many BCs. Um, but, um, <laughs> but to be able to petition the gods. And different cultures have had different ways of doing that. Yeah. Some of them, it's like, like you said, oh, please do this for yeah. me. And others are like, hey, you stupid gods, do this for me now. Or yeah. Otherwise, I won't take stuff to your temple. In ancient Egypt, that was one of the things that they did is they would threaten the gods. Yeah. They would say, you will do this for me or you won't get any more offerings, or the Greeks were very different. They would go to the temple and take the offering and say, here is the offering. Now I need you to do the thing for me. Right. So yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's interesting. So Love again, that stuff. Yeah, yeah. So the word prayer, again, in pagan terms, might be the word prayer, could be the word devotional practice, could be the idea of petitioning the gods, mm -hmm. could be self-affirmations, right? Yeah. right? That's more of a... a kind of a new agey term, but sure. like that idea, um, uh, could be invoking them, asking the spirits or the gods or the, the magical, uh, energy current, whatever you might want to call it, mm -hmm. um, being part of a coven or a working magical group. Um, when you begin to say the, the magic words that are part of those rituals, it creates this sort of like a, a groove in a in a record, mm -hmm. right? Um, and that energy that's formed, that repetition, uh, creates something often referred to as an egregore. But basically, that's another way of saying um, you kind of all fall into a rhythm, which is another way of saying alignment mm -hmm. or a chord, right? If you know what the words are, if you say them in unison, if you wear the same things or light the candles at the same time there's a ritual schema um that's another way i think of um what prayer is you mentioned like the lord's prayer mm -hmm. there are you know millions maybe even billions of people on the planet if you said say the lord's prayer could whip it out right, right. away sure and um there is a certain power of being in a in a setting a temple yeah a church a mosque a synagogue, whatever it is, and everybody knows Knowing the story the prayer, and yeah. everyone knows the prayer. Yeah. We do have that in witchcraft, that liturgy. We do have that in witchcraft. Do we? I think so. In certain traditions, um, you know, we practice um, in a British traditional uh, system and we have certain liturgy that we say at every I ritual. don't think there's anything that's ubiquitous is that the right word uh, it depends on what you mean <laughs> there anyway. isn't there isn't a thing that all witches or pagans can no, no, point no, no, to no. and go oh yeah we have that in common i didn't say all witches i said that like when practicing in a coven right we have within one With, of the oh, traditions gotcha. that we okay, practice gotcha. in there are probably millions maybe at least certainly hundreds of thousands of people that practice the same kind of um ritual that we practice mm -hmm. And so they are saying the same things on or about the same time that we are saying them, doing them in the same way. Right. There's a power in Well, that. and there's, you know, short phrases. I think, you know, a lot of witches and pagans are familiar with so blessed be or so mote it be. You know, those are those are the ends of prayers. Those mm -hmm. that's what it's that's what we say instead amen. of amen. Right. right, exactly. So, you know, it's not 
And and let's be honest about all of this for a second, because you know how I like to burst bubbles in people's um, systems. A lot of what we do, uh, a lot of what modern witches and pagans recognize as the structure of ritual was really created somewhere between the 1930s and the 1950s. And it was created in its form as a replacement of Christianity to be something different. So there is a lot of structure that comes from what a Christian structure might look like. And it's also borrowed from other esoteric fraternal orders, you know, the OTO and uh, the Golden Dawn and all that kind of junk. But there are these ways where these ritual forms are very similar. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they they all have a map that, the you know, the, the island on the map might be a totally different island, but the structures are still the same, you know? So I think that's also important to remember that, we might not be Christian. We might not work with Christian mythos, and or, or we might, and it's not better or worse. Yeah, you know, you've said something before about older is not necessarily better. There are absolutely uh, one could point in both directions. There are a great number of pagan traditions, or witchcraft traditions, or magical traditions, or esoteric practices that have. Um, roots or at least tendrils that touch into uh, Christian practices, whether Mm -hmm. those are Gnostic practices, whether those are Christian mysticism. Um, And likewise, it is absolutely true that many of the Christian traditions uh, have roots or tendrils Mm -hmm. or harken back to prior um, uh, religions or philosophies that predate Christianity. Yeah, absolutely. Again, um, there's, it's almost inextricable mm-hmm. at this point. Right. Um, and back to magic. <laughs> yeah. Cause that was, a, that was a very useful tangent, I think. Mm. Um, so magic, uh, the art of changing consciousness at will. <laughs> oh, right back. Right. But you also said part of magic is for you, this word prayer and all of the variations of what prayer might look like. Yeah. Right. That's what we've been talking about. So how do you use magic? Why do you practice magic? Why don't you just call it, you know, positivity or white lighting or, um, you know, Christianity, but with different gods, you know, <laughs> <laughs> like what, what is, what is the purpose of magic for you? So if somebody came to you and said, so you're a witch, right? And you said, yep. And they said, and you do spells and shit. And you said, yep. Mm-hmm. And they said, and maybe you believe in these different gods. And you went, yep. And they said, why? Like, what's the purpose of magic for you? Well, it's my spiritual faith. I mean, I don't know that I could say more about a purpose than that. So what do you think about witches for whom this is not a religion? So what do you think the purpose of magic is? Power. Yeah. Me too. Uh, yeah. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I, you know, that again, that's a word that has a negative connotation, especially in, in some corners of, of witchcraft and paganism, because power is abused in our overculture. You know, power over is what we're shown, that there's someone on the top. They get to make all the choices and all the rules and everyone else is under their thumb. That's sort of... What, that's that's the structure that we're used to, we're influenced by, just like mm-hmm. we're influenced by Christianity, whether we want to be or not. But that's not the only structure of power that works or that's available. Uh, and and we or, all, or that's been practiced on this planet. No, or currently right. being practiced. Right. You know, we all want power, and that is okay. 
and that is that's okay and we should want power we should want to be powerful uh, full of power right and there are ways to access that it's not about um you know ruling your neighborhood and becoming the czar of sebastopol you know it's that's that's not what i'm talking about that's that power over structure again that creates scarcity i've been i'm I'm working on my my next book i'm in the editing process of my next book so this is a lot of what i talk about in the beginning of my next book is this idea the power over structure creates a scarcity mindset there's only so much and we have to scramble and fight each other for it it puts us in an us against them and the us and the them shifts and rotates depending on the circumstances situation and what's going on it's unsustainable it's unhealthy uh, it's there's other ways of, of being in power and if you are internally powerful you're less interested in having power over other people because yeah. you recognize that's not true power so you know everyone wants it just accept it and start working towards being a powerful person and yeah You'll yeah. be fine. <clears throat> that, Magic. And that, that is something that I think a lot of people in witchcraft um, don't often verbalize. And, Power? And I, yeah. Well, yeah, it's a dirty word. Yeah. Yeah. And I think this idea, well, why why do we often do spells? It's because we want something. Yeah. And, and wanting something could be you want healing for somebody yeah. else. Oh, yeah. But if you can align the forces just so and create the conditions so mm-hmm. that that person heals, yeah. that's power. Well, let's be real. Look at the since the 1990s, when there's a there was a witchcraft r- craze in that time, and we're experiencing another one right now. If you look at those moments uh, from a, a cultural standpoint, there was a lot of people feeling disempowered. Uh, there was a lot of shifts and changes happening in culture. Not only that, but there was a slew of fantasy stuff that came out. You know, The Craft 1 and 2, those movies came out and they showed, especially young women and in the newer version, young queer people and women taking their freaking power back and figuring out how to be powerful and figuring out how to make things happen and stopping the oppressors. Like, who doesn't want that? We all do. And I think that's the other thing about magic. It is always, I think... Um, and again, I rarely use that word, mm-hmm. but it has often been um, or nearly always been the domain of the marginalized. Right. Right. Um, folks that didn't have all the things, the access to the best blank of the time, right? right. The, whatever it was that was the like best. Medicine. Of the time. Yeah. Medicine, <laughs> money, land. Yeah. Right. Uh, station status, yeah. you know, whatever it was. Um and so they had less control over their, their fortunes, their lives, their mm-hmm. fates, to use some of those sort of big words. You can unpack those on another show. But uh, magic is the great equalizer. Uh, right. It's a tool that we all have access to. And that's one of the reasons magic is so scary to the overculture, to the church, to the people in power, whomever it is, because they actually can't control it. They can't regulate right. it. They right. can't make um, money off of make it. Money off of it. Yeah. Right. So what they've done is, you know, outlawed it or incorporated it. Into or their own said practices. that I'm the mediary and you can only get it by coming and talking to me. Right. Yeah. Right. So, you know, magic is absolute power in yeah. the sense that magic may be a million things to you 
uh, and that's lovely and wonderful. But at its core, magic is about power. Right. Most of the time about equalizing power, like making my power more equal to yours. Yeah. Or neutralizing power. Or revenge. Well, yeah, but that's neutralizing. <laughs> that's right. I mean, that's true to a certain extent, right. I it, suppose. Right. Yeah. You take revenge on someone that's had power over you yeah. most of the time. Yeah. Right. So you're neutralizing their power over you by getting revenge. And yeah. revenge isn't always a great motivation no, no. for magic. But which I can't it believe is, I'm saying. It is a, but it is, it is an entry point to magic. Oh, you know, yeah. I see a lot of new folks to this path and revenge is a very motivating force and it brings people to this path every day. <laughs> yeah. 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 But that's, you know, so again, magic, um, nearly always about power, mm-hmm. uh, nearly always the domain of the disenfranchised and the unempowered right. and the disempowered, uh, nearly always using what's at hand. Yeah. Um, what's on hand because there's, lack of something else or a perceived lack of something else resources whatever it might be right. uh, it's a way to form community and that's one of the reasons i think magic is often hidden because you know if i've got the secret words and the and the knowledge of the herbs and whatnot and i share it with you or you share it with me we now know a secret we now know some occult which means hidden right we have some occult knowledge um that we can pass it's like um Again, you use the 90s as an example. Mm-hmm. Back in the rave days, you know, there was no interwebs. Right. Uh, and so it was flyers and it was zines and it was all of these other ways that people knew where the happening thing was going on, where the rave was going on, where the ritual was going on, where the party was going on, mm-hmm. right? It was all word of mouth. Word of mouth. Um, and that's what made it powerful and that's what made it dynamic. We're going to show up at this warehouse in the middle of nowhere. We're going to crank it up all night long it's going to be absolutely brilliant and then we're going to disappear it's kind of like i think about flash mobs today right it's Mm -hmm. like everyone gets the secret text to show up to the secret place do the secret thing in public and then disappear into the woodwork again i fucking love that that is a form of magic yeah right and it's about power it's It's about kind of cool stuff it is but it's also about (laughs) interrupting the status quo right right if a hundred people show up at a downtown intersection and, you know, do a dance or show up dressed as Santa Claus or whatever it is, you know, that is, it's interrupting the, the, the accepted paradigm. Yeah. And that's also what magic is. Exactly. I think that's a big part of it actually is, you know, I don't think that everyone that comes to, to practicing magic or witchcraft or spell work or any of those terms, I don't think that they all necessarily want to disrupt the status quo, but I'd say the majority of them do. The majority of folks that find their their way to this work in the world want to see changes in the world and don't want patriarchy to continue to be the dominant force and, you know, all of that stuff. I think that that is, that is one of the things that brings people to this. Yeah. 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 And I think that's a lovely thing to remember. You know, if I think about my own experiences with magic and many of the people that I know within magic, to some degree or another, they're, they're outsiders or outside of the typical mainstream culture, mm-hmm. um, which is why I think within magic, um, there are uh, lots of uh, 
queer folks. There's lots of folks that are marginalized in many other ways, people of color. Um, I think, it, you know, without a doubt, at least historically, um, it's uh, one of the reasons I think witchcraft um, uh, is so wonderfully populated with uh, cis and trans women. Right, it's been a safe domain for women to share their knowledge yeah. that was often uh, and and share power with each other that was often not respected or well received elsewhere. Right. So I think you know magic has and probably always will be a hope, always be part of the margins. And while it's part of my everyday life, I live in a particular bubble yes. where my life can be magical every day. Right. And relatively overtly. Right. Like I'm an, you know, a very out in the world pagan or very out in the world witch in most places in my life. Right. Um that's a privilege that I have. Yeah. You know, and I like that I get to be out and proud about my witchcraft and the magic that I do. Mhm. Um uh but it's still not normalized it's not the usual i'm still an outsider no and i think that's always true yeah that's what i was gonna say i think that's also there's that's a certain appeal to it that attracts a certain type of individual who wants to be the outsider who wants to be different who wants and to a certain degree wants you to know that yeah to push those boundaries to push those margins to color outside of the lines that's all magic for me right yeah there's uh, we've only got a few minutes left, but there's there's a, a person that I know within the the Druid community, mm-hmm. wonderful person, uh, very smart um, and earnest and caring. But they very much want you know a, a pagan temple on every corner, right? And pagan instruction in schools, and I'm I'm dead set against that mm-hmm. um, in in the way they imagine it, because what they want is to sort of. They want the the typical Christian model, you know, a church on every corner and Sunday right. school. More just widespread pagan. recognition and yeah. respect. Yeah, and yeah. I, 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 I don't. I'm a big fan of fear. Not <laughs> like me being afraid, but I love it. I think there's, when somebody comes up to me and they're like, you're a witch, you do magic, and you can see the fear in their eyes, that's okay. Because you know what? With this fear, there's power. Sure. And I'm okay with magic being on the margins and being messy and being dirty and not being mainstream yeah i don't know i think i'm somewhere in between because i think that also part of magic is being connected to the land like that is that's that's every human's indigenous Mm. magic Mm -hmm. is having a relationship to the land Mm -hmm. uh and i think that we need that or as a as a culture as a human culture or we're going to die and so my my desire is that all people are connected to the land and have a relationship with the land. They can have whatever God relationship they want or none, but they at least need a relationship with the land. Otherwise the planet's screwed and so are all of we. Yeah. And, I, <laughs> and that's magic for me too. Yeah. And that's a whole other show yes, I think we could is. probably talk about. And because I very much agree with you. Um, I was listening to something earlier on today that was talking about sort of stages of marginalization mm-hmm. in the way that it becomes accepted so 30 years ago, um, um, you know, uh, LGBT, and I'm just going to be very clear here, LGB especially, mm-hmm. with an emphasis on the G and the L, mm-hmm. was um, around, but it was very much a pipe dream. If we were to look at society today, while it's certainly not accepted 
everywhere, it is more prevalent Mm -hmm. in mainstream culture. And I imagine that 10 or 20 years from now, hopefully sooner, um, the the T, you know, the trans part of the LGBT and and some of the other letters that are the plus plus parts, Mm -hmm. which are now sort of on the fringes, will, um, uh, again, if not become accepted or quote unquote normalized, will be prevalent. Um, you can agree or disagree. You can accept or not accept. That's, you know, I suppose your own choice. But it will be something that is part of culture. And I think that's wonderful. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think the um, part of the magic that I love doing is taking some of those things on the margins and putting them right in the center. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's scary for a lot of oh, folks because yeah. it challenges them. And that's one of the things I love about magic. Yeah. Challenging the status quo is yeah. a big part of it. Yeah. Well, Fee, that was a Phoenix. That was uh, sorry, everybody. I call Fee Fee. Don't call Fee Fee, and don't call a Fee Fee. No, don't call me Fee Fee. Yeah, um, that would annoy me. That would annoy. There's like me and one other person that can call. Well, the only Phoenix. the only other person that calls me specifically Fee Fee does it intentionally because. <laughs> He knows it annoys me, and he's the worst little brother on the planet. <laughs> uh, well, uh, Phoenix, mm. uh, this was a lovely discussion, and I hope the person that uh, asked us what magic is enjoys this definition and continues to explore their own magic, because I happen to think they're a particularly magical person. Oh, they totally practice witchcraft. We've had this conversation. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, good show and junk. Okay, bye. Till next time.